Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast. This is episode 575. This is the weekly podcast about slow flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This show is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free online directory to more than 850 florists, shops, and studios who design with local, seasonal, and sustainable flowers. And to the farms that grow those blooms, it's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor, Farm Girl Flowers, Farm Girl Flowers delivers iconic burlap wrap bouquets and lush, abundant arrangements to customers across the U.S., supporting U.S. flower farms by purchasing more than $10 million of U.S.-grown fresh and seasonal flowers and foliage annually. Discover more at farmgirlflowers.com. And thank you to Red Twig Farms. Based in Johnstown, Ohio, Red Twig Farms is a family-owned farm specializing in peonies, daffodils, tulips, and branches, a popular peony bouquet by mail program, and their Spread the Hope campaign where customers purchase 10 tulip stems for essential workers and others in their community. Learn more at redtwigfarms.com. Let's jump right in and meet today's guest. I first met Slow Flowers member Amy Balsters in 2018 when she was a wedding and event florist operating as Amy Nicole Floral. We both attended a floral conference, and during a few days together, we made a friendly connection over flowers, of course. Later that year, Amy relocated with her family from Southern California to the Washington, D.C. area, and the timing was ideal for her to attend the second Slow Flowers Summit in the nation's capital that summer. And she joined Slow Flower Society as a member. Through our social media connections, I watched as Amy began teaching bouquet-making skills around the country, helping florists learn the art of the loose and airy bouquet style. One of her workshops promised, if you struggle with your bouquets feeling tight, lacking dimension or movement, or creating anxiety, this class is for you. A few years ago, Amy rebranded her business as The Floral Coach. And she began to teach online and in-person workshops. Classically trained, Amy is an award-winning floral design educator with vast industry experience spanning two decades in retail floristry, weddings, and special events. She specializes in teaching the romantic-inspired loose and airy style and is the creator of Bouquet Bootcamp, a comprehensive design course and hands-on workshop series. In late August, I met up with Amy in San Diego, where we were both participating in the Cow Flowers Fun and Sun Conference. Amy taught two hands-on bouquet-making workshops, and I was a panelist for the floral marketing presentation. I flew in a day early so I could take Amy's workshop, and I asked her to sit down with me for a video interview afterwards. I'm so thrilled to share her story with you and to connect you with Amy's educational offerings. We'll discuss the numerous ways you can connect with Amy's free content and what she offers online, in person, and virtually to her students. Let's jump right in and get started. The Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing. We're doing something kind of crazy in a little <laughs> alcove in a ballroom at Cal Flowers Fun and Sun, and I'm here with Amy Ballsters of The Floral Coach. Hi. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh, we've been planning this for a while <laughs> because 
you, you're teaching here, or yes. you taught here. You yes. taught two workshops. I just took one, and it was fantastic. The flowers you see a little bit in the frame are part of the hand-tied bouquet. Yes. So, what was it? A hand-tied yeah. bouquet class. Yes. It's, but it's the floral coach Way. method. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. So, anyway, Amy, I'm, I've been wanting to interview you for a long time, Yay. and it's so nice to do it in person. Oh, I agree. So, thanks for saying yes. Thank you for the honor. Oh, it's gosh. an honor. <laughs> well, listen, you have been a Soul Flowers member for a number yes. of years. Yes. I was. We were just reminiscing that you came to two conferences yes. in 18 in D.C. Yep. Mm -hmm. And in 2021 in San Francisco. Yes. So, I really appreciate the support. Yes. And it was fun to have you there, but I can never talk to anybody. I like being at your own wedding. You're always running around and can't really have quality conversations. So, um, but it meant a lot to me that you were there. Yeah. So I really want people to hear what you're doing and figure out how to get involved with what you're doing. And um, I got the real deal today. I mean, okay, you taught a one and a half hour workshop. Yes. Is that kind of a mini course, right? Absolutely. Okay, so give us the lowdown on, or give us the snapshot of the floral coach. How do you define your business? Oh, I love that question. <laughs> so <laughs> how, many, how many pieces of the pie are there? Yes, yes, okay. Well, let me um, let me start with the hands-on because that's what you got to experience today. Right. So I teach uh, hands-on workshops a few times a year that are called Bouquet Bootcamp. This is a two-day, in-depth design experience. And I have been refining this workshop every time I do it. I tweak it and tweak it and tweak it to get really the best results and experience for the students who okay. come. And the way that I've changed this over the years is to really focus on building a strong foundation and kind of stripping back a lot of what designers do to get back to the foundations of good forestry. So we go deep into design theory, we explore the principles and elements of design as they apply to the design style that we're trying to accomplish. We go deep into color theory. We actually spend an entire half a day going deep into how to create complex color palettes, how to harmonize color, how to bridge color, how to really look at our material and understand how to use color to create different effects. We have a huge color bar and students get to create their own palettes and we check them for being well balanced, and so it's so giving a lot of feedback and a lot of feedback. I watched that today. You spend yeah. a lot of time <clears throat> positive critique. Yes, mm -hmm. yeah, and I think what's important about effective teaching is to be able to give effective critique, to mm -hmm. be able to look at a design critically, not harmfully, but critically, and say, "Here's what's working, and here's how we can change something to create a better effect, a more effective." design technique, how do we create more balance, harmony. So when we can remove the emotion from it, we don't have to feel like we've failed. It's more about achieving balance and harmony in a design. So we really go back to checking our work based on the principles. Is there this principle of dominance at play, right? If there's a ratio issue with how much color you've used, it's not about you being a good or bad designer or failing or passing. It's about shifting and adding more red. <laughs> That's right. very you're taking that the, the, the fear out of it yes. because you're just looking at it analytically. Analytically. Yeah. And I think that's really important to be able as professionals to look at our work and say, here's what's working and here's how I can change it. It's our job as designers, I think, to, to understand how to create something that our customers want. And 
when it, we can set the ego aside mm -hmm. and just look at our work really objectively, it's very empowering. And I think that the heart of the workshop is really about that. It's about giving designers tools and language and the spirit to say, I can do this. I'm not, you know, this is not about being good or bad. Yeah. It's about being effective and efficient and productive. So two-day bouquet boot camp, and you offer that in person a couple times a year? Yeah, so this is where it gets a little complicated. <laughs> so bouquet boot camp was kind of born truly out of just observing how many designers struggle with bouquet making, from a retail perspective to bridal. But what's, what I'm really passionate about is foundational floristry, core techniques that can be applied to anyone and everyone, whether they have a lot of experience or they're brand new we can still get results. And I think that's what's so compelling to me mm -hmm. is that by using good technique, you can get a result over and over and over. And so this workshop really hones in on technique, principles and elements, good technique, color theory, and really design application, meaning how we place flowers to achieve a certain aesthetic, right? So in this workshop, we focus on laying a good foundation and then putting those principles into practice and then the designers are able to use the color bar and really be able to stretch their wings and build either tight round balls, open airy, big, small, doesn't matter, cascading, using all of this core wow. foundation right. technique. So it's so the technique, you can your design can evolve in many directions. 100%. Okay. That's really the power of the technique is that, and it's not, I didn't come up with this. This is the spiral technique has been around forever. This comes out of Europe, very traditional. but. I think what's unique about what I do is my approach to teaching this is very layered. It's about building on that technique so that designers aren't, I'm not trying to make a bunch of mini me's. Right. I'm trying to teach a foundation that then they can apply their aesthetic to. That is, I think, really important. It's empowering, I think. Very empowering. Because you're right, you did not invent the spiral. No, no, day, absolutely but you do from my point of view, yes. demystify it. I hope that's true. And, <laughs> make, and kind of set your your students up for success. Yes. Um, yes. Not being a professional designer myself, I will just say I just think this course. <laughs> I'm pretty yes. proud of my yes. little spiral. It's to the myself. Yes. And, um, you know, I have had people try to teach me the spiral before, sure. and I found it um, mm. almost impossible to understand, wow. you know, just to to understand what we were talking about, sure. the angle and yeah. the one stem at a time, and yeah. you've got this whole like free-spirited, like, well, oh, put three in here and put two over there. Yes. It just, I loved it. Yes. And I'm not to say, no, I'm not saying it was like crazy, it was, yeah. there was rationale exactly. behind it. So when I started teaching, I'll back up just yeah, a second. Yeah, yeah. As a, I was a classically trained designer 20 years ago. I went to flower design school. I spent, you know, really learning in a classroom setting how to do funeral work and how to prep a vase properly and all the mechanics and language. And so I was really fortunate. I recognize how rare that is to have this classical training. And I went in, out into the world and worked in retail, worked in special events, and I had a very tight kind of aesthetic. I felt like I could, you know, that was the style in the early 2000s especially. Yeah. Very tight, very round, very pavade, Martha Stewart chic, right? And when I started my business in 2012, that was not as much the style I was seeing, I was seeing more loose, airy garden style. And I struggled. I mean, it was not easy. I actually, for many, for a long time thought, I think I've aged out, even at 30 <laughs> years old. I don't think I could do this. 
And I really doubted my ability to evolve. I mean, truly, it was a big, of a, you know, big mindset issue. Wow. But I really thought, I think, I think I got to hang up my apron. I just can't get that look. And I struggled so much trying to understand this open form styling of flowers. I went to so many workshops and conferences, and it just wasn't clicking. I just thought, man, I, I can, nobody has, can really explain to me the how, the theory. I saw a lot of beautiful designs. Um, I was very inspired by how talented so many people were. But when I got back to my studio, I just couldn't make it happen. And it started really doing a number on my mindset and, and doubting. You know, there's a lot of inner critic work in there at play. And eventually, I, I really went back into my training. I went back into foundational floristry, principles and elements, and was able to apply what I knew worked to the modern styling of flowers. And I had this very eureka moment. And I think that that was kind of the beginning of recognizing that I could share this information with others that would help them. I was at a flower conference and I actually was doing some competition and I was rooming with these two other designers that were fairly new to the industry. And I had, we, we all heard the same presentations. We went back to the hotel room and they said, yeah, that was such an amazing presentation. I don't really understand how she did that color theory. I pulled out a, you know, literally a piece of paper at the hotel and I started drawing a color wheel and I started explaining to them that she used an extended analogous palette and then she uses this chunk. And they're just like, what? <laughs> Why are you not? Yeah. My own. <laughs> and See, it's so funny. <laughs> if we come from that, yeah. we have this like bubble where we think everyone Everybody knows, knows this. <laughs> yeah. That's truly what I, I think I just hadn't recognized that over the years I had invested so much in my education and through mentors and training that I sort of assumed that everybody correctly also knew what I knew. And I realized that in that, really at that conference, these friends, these new friends encouraged me, you really should be teaching this. I mean, that was so helpful. You just explained to us and broke down what that other designer did. And I thought, you know, I could help somebody with this. I don't have a big following, I'm not famous, I don't know if anybody's going to come to my workshop, but I knew that I had the language and that that I could actually help a designer better understand design, that just lit up my whole world. Yeah. And so I started to take, one of the girls actually in that hotel room was my very first student who paid me to take a, take a private class. And from there, it just started spreading like wildfire. I started traveling around the country, you know, working in the back of wholesale houses and being in tiny flower shops and just telling people, you know, this is what I'm doing. Come to my workshop and, you know, charging no money, you know, just kind of yeah. making a way. Um, Was it always around a bouquet? <clears throat> so when I started teaching, I focused on centerpieces and bouquets because I found that those were the things people wanted to learn yeah. about the most. Yeah. It was also easiest for me as I was traveling around. I didn't need big structures. It's kind of portable. It's yeah. portable. Yeah. I could get vases, etc. As I went around the country, I realized more and more everybody struggled with bouquet making. I mean, almost 100%. Oh, can you help with bouquets? Oh, can you help with bouquets? They would take this bouquet class. It was like an hour and a half at the time, very similar to this one. And it was like life-changing. They're like, oh my gosh, this is so helpful. Please do more of this. So early on, I really listened and paid attention to what designers were telling me they wanted. Like still, what's their pain point? What's their pain point? Yeah. What are they struggling with? Yeah. What, is the, what is the thing causing them 
the most frustration. And it consistently came down to bouquet making, which I think can be very challenging. It is a very mystifying process for a lot of people. And I had struggled myself with it. So I really understood the emotional challenge of the amount of self-doubt I felt making bouquets. I, it really, making this style made me question my place in the industry, frankly. I mean, it really was painful to feel like I don't know how to do this. So it has become a passion point, a passion project mm -hmm. to explain this in a way that every designer can understand. So how, you said you've taught over a thousand oh, students. Yes, yeah, thousands at this point. Okay, yeah. so in that, and you're still not bored with it. No, it's <laughs> like I'm still so, every time... I do it, I feel just as excited as I did five years ago. I think you feel excited because you're seeing oh. the the yes. light bulb go off yes. or just the happiness on yes. people's face. Like, yeah. oh, that's, take that to the bank. That's it. And to the bank is part of it because I heard you today talking about um, this style allows you to perhaps be more profitable. Yes. Because I, I, I'm, just, I'm, yes. I'm, not, I'm simplifying it. <laughs> But you're maybe using less fewer product. expensive flowers or yes. less product. Yeah. Overstuffing bouquets is a very common problem that I see. And I think that the what I mentioned in class is that overstuffing can be a, a choice, right, to have that really dense look. But like what, the more is more look. More is more yeah. <laughs> yeah. But what I, I heard the woman confessing <laughs> yeah. to me that she just... Loads up her cart and doesn't have a budget. It's so common. It sounds very painful. It sounds painful and it sounds very expensive. Yeah. And we know in the industry, the flowers have never been more expensive. We also have the least amount of availability that we've ever had. And we're having to get really scrappy and very flexible with how we buy and how we design. And I think what's really powerful is a lot of my students have told me they spend literally overnight 20 to 30% less on their bouquets. That is a huge amount of money back into that person's business. Well, and, they're, and they're not compromising on their aesthetic. That's it. And they're getting this beautiful, airy, yes. full look. Yes. Yes. I did like, I wrote down a lot of little, <laughs> the little atheisms. <laughs> There's <laughs> and, a lot of them. <laughs> I liked it when you were quoting some former, uh, you know, boss or somebody yeah. who said, you should, a good florist yes. should pick up all the scraps off the floor and make a, make a bouquet and sell yeah. it for $50. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay. You know, it, it's an art form, but you got to pay yourself. But you got to so. pay your bills. Yeah. That's it. Well, so you've been doing, you said five years you've been doing bouquet? About five years, okay. yeah. Did I, you start out calling it Bouquet Bouquet? I didn't. I feel like yes. that was sort of new. It is. So it was called the One Day Bouquet Intensive. <laughs> Very like nice. It was. It was good. It was effective uh, for a long time. It became two days. It just keeps growing. But the more and more I realized that it almost seems kind of silly to maybe somebody and say, why so much effort on a bouquet class? Why do you need two full days? But really, we could spend a week deep diving, right? Yeah. Because we talk about all the principles as they apply to creating asymmetrical balance, right? So how we place stems is through grouping and clustering, and how we create framing is through using line flowers on the perimeter. So how we place these things, we have to go back to the foundation. We talk a lot about proportion and ratio and what has been so remarkable when we rebranded the name to Bouquet Bootcamp, I eventually turned it into a two-day class, is the work that I'm seeing coming out of the two-day workshop is mind-blowing to me. I mean, it, it's evidence that taking the time 
to observe and listen to what students need is really effective. By going back to the basics, laying this foundation, teaching the foundations of good design, letting them free in that bouquet bar, and then watching them create, I've never seen better work come out of these workshops. And all that, all that preliminary theory is going to influence Every. a centerpiece yes. or an arbor or a table runner. It's not just the no. bouquet, so they're getting more. Oh, yeah. They're getting kind of the meat that they can That's it. use for something else. Everything. Wow. It all applies. All these principles apply. In fact, many designers have told me, oh, I was making a Christmas wreath, and I was thinking, dense cluster echo, right, of my line. I get, where's my, where's the eye being drawn? I was making a corsage, right? I was making a large installation. All of the principles apply to no matter what we're making. Okay. So when we, when we learn about them, when we understand them, we are more effective designers. Yeah. Use less product, get our work done faster. These are the things that get me up in the morning, get me really excited. <laughs> are you taking on wedding clients mm -hmm. or are you just teaching now? This is my full-time job. Wow. Yeah, it has become very busy. Wow. And I have, frankly, I mean, more work than I can say yes to. I'm so honored to teach I do uh, private coaching classes with flower shops and individual event businesses where I'll go in for a day or two. We write up a custom curriculum for that business, and I will go in and train that team on design principles and work, effectiveness, etc. So even within the workshop, we really focus on getting designers out of that perfectionistic zone and pushing them into more productive, efficient ways to design. We talked a little bit today, you witnessed how we design more ergonomically, mm -hmm. how we can stand, how we can strip flowers, where we're able to be more efficient and get the job done. And this is part of what I'm really passionate about. I spent a lot of nights working way too late, away from my kiddo, fussing, right? Fussing, 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 fussing. And I regret those hours that I could have been snuggling him yeah. or watching a movie with my husband. Um, and I think that that's sort of what drives a lot of my passion is just understanding that pain point that I know very near and dear to my heart. Yeah. So I had to make some major changes in my wedding business for many years to move away from these old patterns of the way I worked and go back to my you know, design training. I was a production designer for many years as a professional freelancer. If you don't make within a certain time frame, you don't get hired back, right? And I knew how, but I let my fear uh, take over mm -hmm. way too often in my business where I was afraid to do new things, I was afraid to try new styles, I would overwork myself, overstuffing. So I understand these pain points very intimately, and my hope is to move designers away from that and help them make a path away. Yeah, you teach from a personal experience yes. of struggling. Yes. And, but you worked through it mm. and I can see you know just this curriculum that you've developed and this methodology mm -hmm. um you've invested in, oh, so in perfecting it because I can yes. I can just sort of watch your little brain work and like <laughs> you've come up with easy easy yes. like catchphrases yes. and simple body positions but it it's understandable, but I know there's a lot behind it, and what you've invested to get there has been years. Years. Yeah. yeah years. It's interesting to, to um, why it's so effective, I think, is and why designers have what they say is a really transformative experience. I hear this word a lot. This was transformative. This was transformative. Why that word, I think, comes up a lot 
is because I've taken so much time to think yeah. to really break the process down. And it's, it's easy to copy, right? It's easy to kind of rip off someone's language or say, oh, I could do that too. But it took years to keep refining and refining and refining all this methodology of saying step one, do this, step two, do this, step three, do this. Even the way we lay out our flowers today, right? There's a methodology in the pattern placement. So we're not chasing ourselves in the bouquet and working inefficiently, right? There's a reason for every single step. And then you multiply that by how many bouquets a, a flower shop has That's to it. crank out or a studio has That's to crank it. out, and you're giving them systems. Yes, systems that become more profitable. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's really a, um, it can create a powerful shift in a business and in the work of a designer to think very strategically about why they do something and the way they do something can save them real time and money. So you do these two days, but in person. Um, but like, what happened with COVID, and how yes. do you layer on all these? You were just at AIFT, <laughs> yeah. and you're going to SAF, yes. and we're at Cal Flowers, yes. Fun and Sun. So I know there's other oh, yeah. other speaking yes. things that maybe don't give you don't get the luxury of two days. <laughs> yeah, right? Don't get the luxury of two days. I got ninety minutes today. Yeah. <laughs> so. Bokeh Bootcamp as a two-day hands-on workshop is also an online course. Okay. It when did is, you launch that? So that was launched uh, last October. Okay. So it's been almost a year. We've, we've um, had a, a, a lot of students. <laughs> so you filmed the whole thing, or did you do it in live? I did. I know I did all pieces. Filmed okay. it very With modules. And modules. Yeah. It's so that's modules. a huge investment. It's a huge investment. To do. Wow. Huge project. Took me a year and a half to really. Think through it. I probably took too long. <laughs> okay, that. So, what is in the online course is is also benefiting your in-person workshop. Oh yeah, because you had to think about. Oh yeah, the modules and, and how you it. move a student through this concept. Absolutely. Okay. It's why I took so much time on the online course because I had been teaching in person pre-COVID and was able to get these results because we're right here. Yeah. I can see your hand placement. I can see the muscles straining in your arm and say. Loosen your hand. Do this. Lace your fingers. Right. All those little things that we talked about. I did my little exercise. <laughs> did my little exercise. <laughs> I did my little stretch. And so there's all these things I can see in person. I don't have that luxury on in an online course. But I knew not everybody can leave their farm. They can't leave their business. They can't leave their kiddos. There needs this information needs to be accessible. Yeah. And so I took a really long time to break this course out into really digestible pieces. Yeah. It starts with the principles and elements of design, design application. There's 17 videos on just design application. They're wow. two to four minutes long. They're very easy to understand. And they say, here's my fra frame framing technique. You take one flowers, you do this. Here's how we do grouping and clustering. Here's what coloring is. So I took the most impactful design applications and demonstrated them in video. We don't have time for that in a two-day hands-on. Got it. It's so focused on application. There's, they're going to cross over, but the most impact is having them both. Because so people course, might do the online course and then come take an in-person That's my hope. Okay. Because the, the online course is so comprehensive, but it's not the same as coming and having to make it. Yeah. You can't teach balance. You can talk about it, the principle. But until you got that thing wobbling around in your hand, it doesn't always connect for some learners. Yeah. Some learners need to learn hands-on, which is why I will continue doing both. I'll develop more content online. I will keep teaching in person. 
I'm a hands-on kind of learner, mm -hmm. but I have a ton of online courses because I don't want, I can't travel everywhere, right? To right. everything I want to go to. Right. So we have the online, we have the hands-on, and then I'm now adding a third part, which is a virtual hands-on. This is for people who cannot get on a plane, maybe they can't afford to do the full two-day, where we have a partnership with Mayish. They are going to ship flowers in my, you know, curated palette and curated stems to a student. We're having 10 students per class. And this is really what I did over COVID. It worked really well. It's a long day. It's a one-day Zoom call. And they get a design guide ahead of time. They get all the principles and elements. And they get all the design application videos. But they're on <coughs> Zoom with you yes. in real time. In real time. You set a day. We and set a day. Yep. has their flowers. That's and they it. get on. They get processing videos of how to clean the stems. We show up. We go through how to do the spiral learning, everything you just learned today how to create groupings and clusters, and they get personalized feedback. Wow. So we keep the classes small. Yeah. All my hands-on classes are very small, eight to 10 max. Yeah. I've done it with more. I don't get enough time with everybody. The most effective transformative thing is to hear honest, helpful critique about your work. Yeah. When you can see, okay, do you see, Janet, how the left side's lower? All right, we're gonna raise those up a two. You know, it takes me time to say, look at every single person's work twice. We make three bouquets, spiral, then an open form, and then a cascade. Wow. So they're learning multiple in techniques. In one day. In one day, in, wow. on Zoom, doing three in the fall. We're starting with three. We're going to do it once a month. Wow. October, November, December. October's uh, halfway sold out. Um, and this, is, this was a really effective way for people to learn alongside me, with me, where they're getting feedback. It's kind of a hybrid. It's a hybrid yeah, model. It's perfect. It's, it's perfect. Wow. So I will relaunch hands-on workshops in 2023. I usually spend the winter planning out the year. Um, I travel a lot, like conferences and events and team trainings and things like that. So I try to do the hands-on workshops in seasons where no florists are available. Winter, summer. <laughs> kind of off-season than spring and fall. So I pick because several most dates. people are in the wedding business. Or <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, when I met you, we're going to do a little bit of yeah, backing up on the path here. We met at a team, I think yeah. the first Team Flower Conference. I remember. And that was in Orlando yes. in 2018, oh, I think. I think I'm 17. Okay. 17 or 18. Was yeah. 17. And, um, I don't know, we just picked up, struck up yeah. a conversation, but there was a good, small enough group. Yeah. That I just enjoyed you, and, yes. and then you moved. You were yeah. living in California. Yeah. You moved to the D.C. area, yes. and that's where you are based now, yes. right? Okay. Yeah. So at the time when I met you, what were you, what was your business then? Wedding business primarily. Okay. A little bit of freelancing. So I relocate. I'm an active-duty military husband. Move every three years, and I've moved my business three times. The third time I moved it, I was really starting to find my footing as a teacher and understand my place as a teacher, where I could help, mm -hmm. where I felt like I could serve designers best. And that aligned with my DC move. So it was really natural to say, you know what, I, I see a need here. I'm just going to kind of keep going. And it just kept snowballing, really. And so <clears throat> at the time I met you, I was still freelancing a bit, but having a young son and just having traveled I was just about to move across the country. Right, I remember that. Yeah. I mean, he was like three or four. Yeah, he's tiny still. Yeah. So we were really like balancing mom life and a business change. And, you know, I really just 
found this passion and found that I was really good at it at the same time, and it just kind of blew up. So it's right. Yeah, it's it's really been such an interesting journey. My dad's a corporate trainer and has been in corporate training his whole life. He trains people. He goes in and looks at systems and finds efficiency. And I feel like, you know, I'll be 40 in a few days. And I feel like I'm a grown-up now, oh, official grown-up. And, <laughs> and I feel like if I, I'm sort of coming into my own understanding that I'm very similar to him. You know, we, we both are very passionate about efficiency, and we both love processes, and we are both really passionate about explaining things, taking complex ideas yeah. and making them more easy to understand. That's so interesting. Yeah, it's um, genetic. <laughs> people, like, just to give a similar dad yes, story, people yes. say like, how, how can you be so natural getting up in front of a crowd and talking? Yes. And I'm like, well, <laughs> my dad was a Baptist minister mm, and you know, exactly. a guy on the yep. podium didn't scare me. I just thought that was what everyone did. Exactly. And so I love that your dad's yes. experience. Oh yeah infused what you're doing absolutely i mean we, he was taking me to toastmasters when i was like 13 oh my gosh i mean i was getting up in front of grown-ups speaking at yeah. a very young age that's awesome it doesn't scare me i love it i'm like invigorated by it i'm mm -hmm. like oh let's have this conversation one side of conversation i have no fear it, it's really more been about finding my footing in how to be the most effective teacher I can. yeah i mean you had this passion for floristry and totally. then floral yeah. design and you were trained and you, you, you pretty much it was your world to, to design yeah. and the training kind of stuck up on you because you just did it without thinking I did it you just started thinking. I saw you at the at the slow flower summit at Pailoli I remember oh, yes. at the end of the day we're trying to clean up yeah. all these leftover flowers see how the corner of my eye you're over here teaching people how to make anti-bookies and I said to Karen Karen and she's like are you paying her no no she's just doing it she's obsessed but I think it was just part, must have evolved out of a conversation it, with somebody it, yeah that cracked me up Susan Stram Lou mm -hmm. um, and I were, had, had dinner uh, with a few designers and she we brought up bouquet making and I said oh I, you know she said oh, I just I do it in a certain way but I don't really understand how you do it so I can show you it'll literally take a few minutes you know she's obviously very experienced yeah uh, talented incredibly knowledgeable designer and I said you'll pick this up right away I, it's just a, I'll just show you really quick so I said you know we'll grab some of her flowers at the end popped it over to a table strip 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 clean 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 spiral spiral and she got it right away I and love it it just connected for her and then um, <laughs> we slowly Pretty started. It was like a little, little <laughs> magnet. Like there were six people. Turned into like 20, 25 people. Well, we had a lot of leftovers. We had a lot of leftovers. And we just had this very impromptu spiral bouquet class. And it was so cool because no matter where I go, I, I just want to help. I just want to be helpful. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. So <laughs> you have a career and yes. you want to make money. And I think so many creative people uh, struggle to find their their special, um, you know, their unicorn moments. Sure. Like, how do you brand yourself? Yeah. And, and maybe this is, I mean, clearly this is it for you. Oh, absolutely. But if you had started out to say, I'm going to teach anti-bouquet <laughs> method and make it a, speci a special brand, yeah. I don't know that it would have happened. It kind of, it was organic the way you did it. I think what, what had, you know, early on, I really invested in business coaching. Mm -hmm. I knew that this was not my wheelhouse. I knew that in order to build something meaningful, I needed help from outside myself, my industry, my inner voices, and I hired a lot of help. I did not 
figure all this out on my own. Okay. I in, invested in marketing, really good marketing people that understood branding, that helped me with my first brand shoot. You know, they helped me figure out what kind of colors should you wear? What kind of, how do you show up and embody this idea of the floral coach, right? What does that look like? And it, it's been really helpful to have sort of a template mm-hmm. to go back to. It's easy to get distracted by other people's success or saying, well, oh no, they're teaching installations. Maybe I need to teach. It's like, I'm focusing right now on this. Things will pivot. I'll add more to the library. Yeah, but it's, the concept is you simplified it. You, you stripped away yes. all the things that others might have told you to do. That's it. I just watched from afar and thought, yeah. this is brilliant. Yeah. Oh, it really you. is. And, you know, I think we all need to know this. We Agreed. all need to strip away the fluff and go down to the core essential. It, I struggle with this all the time because... I follow bright, shiny objects. Of course. And I'm not capable. I can, you know, ask yeah. a busy woman to do something, and yeah. she'll say yes. And I think you have to constantly say, is this is this the my raison d'etre? You're like, why yes. why am I saying yes to something if it doesn't answer these questions that I've identified as my mission? That's it. You clearly know your mission now. Yeah. So you're not pulled away to no. other things. And not, you said you were going to add... Of course, of course. Yeah, but, but that's, a that's a building a business. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and we're we're asked all the time. I have a small team that actually works for me now, and I have been able to you know build this you know in a really meaningful way. But there's we're, we're asked all the time for new stuff. People like the way I teach, and they're like, I'd love a course on this. I'd love a course. Actually, that makes so much sense because yeah. you've got your believers. Listen, and they want the next thing. <laughs> they want the next thing. That's and marketing it is. <laughs> There's a unique, what I've realized is there's room for every perspective, right? Yeah. There isn't about my way versus somebody else's way, or I'm right or they're wrong. I I think I've grown a lot in the last several years of teaching, looking at people like Hitomi Gilliam, mm-hmm. right, who has a true spirit of generosity in the way she teaches, in just being able to really go deep into how do I serve, how do I connect, how do I offer, and I think just like when we run our businesses, the focus is always on the customer. What do my customers need? How do I connect? How do I serve them better? That builds our businesses. When we are coming from a place of service, in teaching, it's the same. This isn't about me. It's not about my ego. It's not about what I'm good at. It's about my nice, who I serve now has shifted from a bride to a designer. Somebody who wants to learn or a flower farmer or a retail person. I have people from all different rounds of floristry come through my workshops yeah. and I've had a ton of flower farmers say your color theory section changed how I plant it changed how I think of lawn form mass filler in what I'm growing right oh absolutely I hadn't even thought about that yeah. but they're like the people who benefit the most from this oh hugely because knowing how to grow is really important but yes. it doesn't stop there no and for a lot of flower farmers they are really impacted by this because they can bring in a new stream of revenue through bridal work yeah. that they're very often very intimidated by. Right. But they know, using the same technique, I can make market wraps, and, I, and then I can turn that around and make it into a bridal. Yeah. That's a really powerful stream of revenue that they can increase their business oh, yeah. by knowing how to do that. That's brilliant. Yeah. Wow. So th- this really does apply to retail. I've had a designer tell me that I use this technique to make a funeral spray. Right, and this beautiful panty funeral spray she made brought in a new funeral contract into her retail business. Mm. So it touches so many different parts of forestry. Wow. Yeah, wow. 
Well, before we go, yes. I want to. You mentioned that you're going to post your class schedule for 2023 sometime in the this winter. Fall. Yeah, okay. fall winter. Yeah. Okay. And when we post this um, on soulflowerspodcast.com, I'll make sure I get your schedule for the fall courses, the, the hybrids. Yes. Because that's really cool. Then you know this might not air until the end of. No, actually, it's going to air in a couple weeks, so awesome. we'll we'll have it out. Yeah. For even that October class. Perfect. Um, but I do want to know yes. why are you a Soulflowers member, and other than just supporting me? Oh yes, of course. I, I want you to. I want yeah. to hear about kind of your take on things because yeah, you're you're sometimes you can source locally and sometimes you can't. Hundred percent. So I'm a Soulflowers member, which by the way, I love what you do, yeah. <laughs> and I'm so in awe of everything you built. Um, it is so important to me to not just support local flowers, to support the flat farmers who grow them. But it just makes good design sense and it makes good business sense. For me as a designer, I am, and I talked about this, I taught about this earlier, I am looking at shape, size, and color. Those are my three considerations when buying the, the product that I buy. When I can find local flowers, it's not always possible, but when I can find them, depending on where I am in the country, they add interest, variety, color that I can't get. I mean, just from a very practical perspective, right. local flowers often add a layer of novelty to my work that doesn't exist, right? Or that increases the value of what I do. This is from a very pragmatic design mm -hmm. sense. Local flowers increase that for me because they are unique to that region or that farmer. Um, often you want, you know, my favorite colors are these sort of nude sandy tones, yeah. right? Right. Those things are tough to find yeah. at a large mass market. I want all of them. I want yeah. to buy all of them. And so not only am I supporting my local economy, am I supporting actual farmers, American grown, but it just makes design sense, mm -hmm. really. It it's makes my work better. Yeah. I kind of I kind of have witnessed this uh, shift also. Exactly what you're saying that when I um, I've had this conversation so often lately where I'm talking to someone and asking them what their aesthetic is, and I think in my mind, oh, her aesthetic is really seasonality. Mm. She doesn't really, it, you know, it, it's informed by the season and sure. what's available, which isn't a, I know that's not an aesthetic, no, but I, it's a piece of it. Sure. And uh, yeah. what you're saying is the unexpected ingredients Absolutely. are what, what that final layer that little delicate touches that you want to add yes. that you can't always get. Absolutely. Yeah. And you live near some flower farmers, too. I do. Right? Yeah. A lot of flower farmers. Even still, I have had a challenge getting the volume yeah. that I need. Um, I remember just last year, I was doing fall workshops or even... And I, the, we are, I'm part of a co-op, so the co-op has 20, 25 farmers in it. So you'd think, an abundance, right? <clears throat> and on Wednesday... I would wait for that list to open, and I'd be there right at five when it opened, and I would be frantically adding to cart because I could get four bunches of this, two bunches of this, and then I would build my whole palette around local. Yeah. So I would start with local and buy up everything I could, and then I would supplement with my wholesaler. Yeah. And this kind of process is actually something I've been doing for a long time. Is it's funny. Some backwards. other people go the other way. Sure. Like I'll just give my you know eighty percent of my budget to my wholesaler. Sure. And then fill in. Now, in all fairness, I'm teaching workshops, which yeah. means I have a lot of flexibility. Right. If you're not trying to line, have a recipe. Yeah. yeah. If I need 40 bunches of majolicas, you know, 
I'm not getting those locally. No, you can't. Yeah. So they're they're I am I'm spoiled in that way to have that flexibility. But I was just in Texas, right? And I I looked really hard and wide, but they had a heat issue, and it was very challenging to yeah. buy them. So yeah. the desire sometimes is there, but I think what's important, and I hope that your listeners will appreciate this sentiment, is that making the effort matters. Yeah. But I never shame designers for what they use yeah. ever because. I couldn't do my work without imports right Right now. I hope no, that changes. I, mean, I, I know, and I, I say that often, like imports aren't going away. <laughs> it's yeah. the backbone of the industry. Sure. Um, luckily, I have luxury. Exactly. Uh, because I'm not a professional for it. Right. I can <laughs> just promote and yes. amplify yes. You know what flower farmers are doing. Absolutely. Um, but the more of us that are asking, I mean, I think right now the demand exceeds oh, the yeah. supply. Absolutely. And hopefully how exciting. that'll change. Yeah. How exciting for people to enter our industry and learn how to farm, learn how to design, and we all continue to build it together. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, okay. I'm going to wrap this yes. up because you've been... We could talk for hours. <laughs> and, you, and you've already talked two sessions no, today. No, I could talk for... Really? Oh, my God. On and on. Uh, yeah. So... That you want to add? I would love to. So my email list is something that we've really grown. My blog. You told me years ago, mm-hmm. you need to blog, Amy, you need to blog. And I was like, I'm so busy, I don't know how, you know, all the excuses. And I finally have taken the time to really hone the topics that are, I think, interesting, the tips, the ideas, and really create really good content for the right. blog. That you own. That I own. That's all mine. So <laughs> we're working on that. So I think the email list is a really good place to start. Okay, so we'll share that with you. That would be awesome. We're putting in solid advice, design ideas, freelance information. I mean, I bring in a lot of experience from a lot of different parts of the industry. And so I'm ready to share all that in the blog. And I think that's a really good place to start. Okay. YouTube is a good place. I have a free YouTube channel. Um, and, and just keeping an eye on the email list for the new stuff that we're rolling that's out. Awesome. We have some really exciting stuff that we're doing. And I've got an amazing team around me now that really is helping me execute on all these ideas I've had for years. Right. So we're ready. Oh my God. And she's not even- <laughs> She's not even 40 yet. I know, tomorrow. Happy <laughs> birthday's tomorrow. It is. Oh, Yay. Awesome. What a great 40th birthday gift this is. It's such a treat. Well, oh, thank you so much, Amy. Yeah, it's, thanks for having me. It's been long in coming. Oh, and, you know, I saw you and I were going to both be here at the same time. I like, we got to do it. No so. brainer. Yeah, thank that's you for awesome. Taking the time to hear my story. It's been great. And we'll, yeah. we'll share everything we've talked about in our show notes when this is posted at the podcast. Um, and you'll be able to watch this replay video. Uh, at Slowflowers Podcast.com too. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for joining me today. You can visit Slowflowers to watch the replay video of today's conversation. Look for episode five hundred and seventy-five. And there you will see more photos of Amy and her work, as well as find links to her free 60-minute training, Four Ways to Better Bouquets. I'll also share all of Amy's social places and a link to sign up for her newsletter. Our next sponsor thanks goes to the Seattle Wholesale Growers Market, a farmer-owned cooperative committed to providing the very best the Pacific Northwest has to offer in cut flowers, foliage, and plants. The Growers Market's mission is to foster a vibrant marketplace that sustains local flower farms and provides top quality products and services to the local floral industry. 
visit them at seattlewholesalegrowersmarket.com. If you missed the announcement last week, here's your reminder that this Friday, September 16th, is the monthly Slow Flowers member meetup, returning after our summer break. Typically, we meet in the Zoom room on the second Friday of each month, but for this month only, we've scheduled the meetup for the third Friday, September 16th, 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern. Our focus is diving into retail flower shops, and you'll meet four Slow Flowers members who will join us virtually from their new retail spaces and give us a tour. How can you create your community's favorite little flower shop? Our member experts will share a checklist for anyone thinking of moving from a private studio or farm to the retail landscape. You can find the pre-registration link in today's show notes for episode 575. It's also in our Instagram profile menu at Slow Flower Society. And thank you to our next sponsor, the Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers. Formed in 1988, ASCFG was created to educate, unite, and support commercial cut flower growers. Its mission is to help growers produce high-quality floral material and to foster and promote the local availability of that product. Learn more at ASCFG.org. Thanks so much for joining us today. The Slow Flowers Podcast is a member-supported endeavor downloaded more than 886,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. As our movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of our domestic cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. If you're new to our weekly show or our long-running podcast, check out all of our resources at slowflowersociety.com. And consider making a donation to sustain Slow Flowers' ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button at slowflowerspodcast.com. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of The Slow Flowers Show and The Slow Flowers Podcast. The Slow Flowers Podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more slow flowers on the table, one stem, one vase at a time. I'll see you then. Mm-hmm.